Hi, it's Levi coming at you from before the episode. <laughs> it's Weenie and the Butt coming at you from 97.1 FM. Thanks, Jen. <laughs> we found that in the recording for this episode, there was some audio feedback, which we have tried to minimize in the editing process, but it's still there a couple times. So apologies, and uh, we have hopefully corrected the issue for the next recording. Anyway, here's the episode. Please enjoy. Hello, friends, and welcome to Pod Return to the Waking Sands. We are a Final Fantasy XIV companion podcast where we explore the lore and story of Hydaelyn and beyond. My name is Jen, and I'm joined by my co-host and researcher. I'm Levi. Hello, Levi. Perfect, Jen. I did it. <laughs> you done it. Nailed it. How's it going there, Jen? It's fine. I got the, uh, what is the, the Seeker of Blood achievement what because is of this, which is, uh, you just complete all of the, I mean, you got yours a million years ago, but, uh, you can, you complete all the Disciples of War quests up to level 30. Got it. Well, congrats. Yeah, thanks. There's like an achievement for every block you bring forward. Yeah. We are here to talk about the Archer class. Archer has appeared as a dedicated class in a couple past Final Fantasies. Uh, in Final Fantasy Tactics and Final Fantasy Twelve. it's one of the jobs available. It's also in a handful of side titles. In Final Fantasy XIV, it leads into the Bard class. Archers use bows as their weapon. Just bows? Just bows. No, there's no crossbows. They don't exist. No, I mean, no arrows. They're just wandering around swinging their bow. Thanks, Jim. Yeah. Just whacking things. A number of the high-level bows look like musical instruments. Poking things. That is not... <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I was trying to tell you, Jen, that a number of the, the high-level bows look like musical instruments, which is a nice touch. I haven't gotten there yet. What kind of uh, musical instruments do they look like? Typically stringed ones. I see. Like harps or lutes or whatever. Okay. Mechanically, Archer is a pretty fleshed-out class as far as the, the 1 to 30 classes go. It has a total of two damage over time abilities, which is one more than most classes get. Yeah. And also a lot for the game in, in general. And for most fights, you'll want to keep your dots going at all times, like you do. Mm -hmm. um, later on as a bard, you get an ability actually that renews them both with one shot. So wow. it makes them more efficient when you just do one attack to up them both versus um, having to, to refresh each individually. Yeah. Your bread and butter shot is the heavy shot. This has a chance to trigger straight shot ready, which lets you fire a straight shot, which is a high <laughs> potency attack. That thing procs hardly at all, it seems. It's 20%. Can you f fix that with, with Materia or no, anything? You it's cannot, just, it is what it is? It's the trait that gives you this straight shot ability. It's not tied to Materia or anything. So I no, see. it's not like a crit or something that, right. that procs it. I should probably change that from the button that it's on right now. Probably. Yeah. It's on a mouse button, which is uh, prime real estate. For your playstyle, maybe, yes. Yes. On top of that, you have um, a two-minute cooldown damage buff and an off-global cooldown attack to weave in as well, and that is Archer, which 
or again, blood letter. Yes, it's a, it's a lot of of complexity for a a basic class. I would agree. Yeah, I, doing this, um, you get you get blood letter really quickly. Yep. And so then you learn you learn the the weave, yeah. which isn't really a thing you get on other classes. Yeah. Like dragoon from last week, there's thrust and thrust more and buff thrust. Pretty boring. And that's it, <laughs> pretty much. God. So the gameplay for archer, of course, uh, is you want to get your dots on a target, and then you're going to weave in your um, what is it, blood letter, mm-hmm. and then you'll fish for the straight shot procs yep. at that point. Yep. Blam. There you go. Blam. None of these abilities have cast bars or positionals. You can hop around like an idiot and keep your DPS up, no it's problem. It's great. Yeah, it's summoner vibes. Just don't hop into a cleaving attack for the boss, and you're good to go. In Eorzea, archery has its roots in the longbow techniques of the Elozen and the shortbows that were used by the Mikote. The style taught by the Archer's Guild is a fusion of both the long and shortbow techniques. The Elizen background is interesting because the Elizen developed stringed instruments based off their archery, as in like the, their bows. So the bow led into the creation of whatever that they played, mm-hmm. harps or lutes or guitars or what have you. Do you think, uh, what sort of material do you think they were using for the strings on these stringed instruments? Do you think it was cat gut? Maybe curl gut. <clears throat> but yes, probably some either um, sinew or organ. Do you think that maybe has factored into the hostility between Wildwood, Ellison, and uh, Mikote? No. <laughs> <laughs> Just... because, no, no, because it's a joke. So it's not a, it's not a serious no, posit here. No, because we have not featured Mikote yet, as, as far as the peoples of Eorzea, because we have not yet met a Mikote population hotspot. They are supposed to be part of the Twelves Wood um, kind of people, but Gridania is heavily concentrated in terms of Hyur and Elizen. And there are a few Mikote there, but not very many, even though in the lore of the game, it's said that the Mikote tribes that hunt the Twelves Wood had enmeshed themselves into Gridanian culture. We don't have all the details, obviously, but before the Wildwood Elizen came to the Twelves Wood, they were plains hunters. So maybe they met a Mikote or two, but I don't think the two peoples had much overlap until they were forced together by circumstance and Hyurian expansion. I agree. And that's when they started calling the Mikulte for their instrument manufacturing needs. Pretty brutal. Pretty gross, if you ask me. This is not in the official canon, but we can't disprove it. It's true. No one says they didn't, so... The burden of proof is on me, so I'll get back to you. Okay. Thanks, Jen. Stay tuned for that. Mm -hmm. The... Archer's Guild in Gridania came from the Trapper's League. The League would manage hunting practices to avoid offending the Elementals, and then the Archer's Guild split off from the League to focus on bowmanship specifically, as opposed to, like, spear hunting or traps or what have you. Mm -hmm. To become an archer, we must go, of course, to the self-same Archer's Guild in Gridania. It's in a fairly isolated corner to rival the Conjurer's Guild. However, there's an Aetherite right outside, so once you get there, you're good to go. No more walking. No more walking. The Guildmaster is Lucien Corn. Cornet? Cornet is a little pretentious. Cornet. Yeah. yeah, I'm not corny, I'm Cornet. The Guildmaster is Lucien Corn, 
a Wildwood Elizin. Lucienne's father was in the God's Quiver, but she decided to focus purely on bowcraft rather than follow in his footsteps. So to join up, we talk to Lucienne. She talks up the dedication needed to wield the bow, and we must resolve ourselves to an arduous journey. Mm-hmm. So Jen, will you dedicate yourself to archery? Yeah, I will. Yeah, sure. That's three for three for lame Gridania class intros. Yeah, I know. Where's the pun? Where's the Where's the flavor? Where's the anything? Will you commit yourself to being an archer? Like, okay. What would be a better? Uh... It could be just like, will you resolve to keep your eyes open and your your wits? Something about, about vision. Something? Yeah, yes. yeah. Vision is the key here. Just like courage was with Lancer, vision is the archer thing. Open your eyes. Trust your eyes. Your special eyes. Our first task, of course, is to go and kill some animals. This is finally a thematic first step, as archery has its roots in hunting. (laughs) (laughs) So this one makes sense at last. After we are done connecting with archery's origins, we get back to the guild, and we get a lecture from Lucianne about the keen sight needed by archers. We must remain vigilant for any trace of our target, To practice, we have to tromp around Gridania and plug several archery targets that are concealed throughout the city. We gotta hit a bunch of butts. Nice. Yeah. Poking butts. Plug them butts. Yeah. Plug them right up. What do you think about this, Jen? This task? Eh. It's weird. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's just, it's it's a little scavenger hunt, but... It's interesting... As far as the class quests go, because none of them have this vague and objective, it's usually pretty straightforward what you're, to do. You're very much on, on rails for everything else. Yeah. Like, you start here, and you go to the, where the little golden bubble is. And in Archer has a lot of these, where you've got to walk around and find things. They give you, like, a general area, and you got to run around and find them, which is, which is unique. And it's it's kind of cute. It's it's better when you're out in the wild because then you do have to like focus on some of the the mobs that are around. And when they when they turn around and they walk away, you can find openings in getting your butts hit without <laughs> we're twelve uh, without procking a mob, aggroing a mob. Yeah, procking procking we're procking mobs and we're aggroing <laughs> aggroing skills. Uh, yeah, yeah. Without that, which is I mean, it doesn't matter because it's really easy to get by. This is very thematic. I think, you know, you are actually practicing what is preached, which is kind of a hidden miss for these class quests. Sometimes they'll go on some grand eloquent rant about something, then you go kill five boars. Right. And then you learn the lesson somehow. Yeah. But this one, you are using your actual player's eyes to look out for these things. They're not super well hidden, but they are concealed to an extent. Yeah. They're not hella obvious. I feel like this would be the most fun if i were a brand new player to the game first time in gridania yeah and then this were a level one quest where i've not actually gone and explored the city yet totally mm-hmm. after i've already been there it's like yep we're, we're by the aetherite again we're by the inn yep and uh running around throwing arrows at archery targets that have been placed around town obviously this is where you learn where gridania doesn't really give a shit about liability <laughs> And everybody else considers it totally normal. Like, okay, no, archers, a uh, new archer to the guild is practicing their craft. Oh, it's every five minutes. No one, happens. yeah, no one has ever missed and um, n- no civilian casualties yet. Amazing. 
the saving grace here is that there are more targets than you need to hit. So it's not some pixel hunt shit where, you know, you walk past a target. Right. You're looking then... for that one for 15 freaking minutes. Exactly. No, so, that was that was a godsend, honestly. Yep. Yeah. Good for them for, for not making you do that. <laughs> we do that task. Once that's done, we're on to the next challenge. We're going to go kill some micro chews and some opo opos, plants and monkeys. Fun words. The theming here is that every enemy has their own strengths and vulnerabilities and a hunter will study a target assess them fully before you join combat which translates not at all to actual gameplay not at all never you, you just roll up and shoot some of these guys yeah and like, down if, they go <laughs> they're like well if you study the opo opo from afar you will see that they use a ranged attack so you have to be my like doesn't matter if you're standing you know 10 yams or one yam away from them they yep. will hit you with it yep. so it doesn't matter but still cute flavor it's good flavor, but these things where the gameplay does not match at all the flavor, it kind of makes me wonder about, I guess, like the missed opportunity. Because we've had a lot of these things where yeah. they, they talk, you know, we, we just talked about this earlier on, but when, when they talk something up and then you do it, it's noticeable. Like the uh, like the Pugilist one where you have to run around Ulda. Yep. And they're like, well, sprint because you need to do it fast. You need to collect these piles of money quickly around town. But it doesn't matter. It's not like there's a timer. You don't have to sprint at all. It, the timer is your patience. I guess, yeah. Um, I was hoping that they could time it so that you had to, you know, fine tune the the use of your sprint in a in a you know in the most opportune moment. Yep. Uh, to maximize, you know, to min max the sprint basically. But it you know, it doesn't matter. Um, so if I were a, you know, if Jen, if Jen were a brand new player brand new to the game, brand new to Gdania and Archer was my first class. And they gave me something like, you know, make sure you observe your prey from afar and note that the uh, the microchew is poisonous. Oh, and that, that, this like, would freak I, you I, out so I would have, yeah, I would have been like, okay, I'm observing, I'm observing, nothing's happening. I, I would have taken it to heart and had a had a hard time. Yeah, that would be hilarious, Jen, because as we recall, Jen's <laughs> first experience with this game, where she was afraid to leave Ulda. Because she didn't have like a sword and you were terrified of the level one enemies that you almost can't lose to. Yeah. Just thinking you seeing this quest text and like watching these monkeys, studying them for an opening uh -huh. for like five minutes. Yeah. And then probably, oh, oh no, they got me. And then I would run away until they stopped chasing me. And then I'd go back and watch them again. Uh, it would have been stupid. But this is a gen experience because I don't, I've never played this type of game before. <laughs> now I know better. I learned so much. Learned a lot playing this game. I'm embarrassed, actually. <laughs> After we report back, we get in introduced to a Mikote. This is Lei... Uh, Leopo. So, Lea Leopo. Um, is she related to Wait, Chloe? is the A silent? No, her, her name is spelled L-E-I-H. I'm talking about the last name. Aliapo. Oh, Lei Aliapo. I've been pronouncing it Lee. Sure. Sure, yeah. Aliapo. Um, like Chloe and Zloe. Aliapo is a very, I don't know if it's a common surname for Mikote, like, you know, Smith or Johnson. Uh, yes. Chloe and Zloe. Zloe. Oh my God. Zloe. Chloe. What the fuck? <laughs> Chloe. Chloe and Zloe. There you go. Are both Aliapos as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I... Yeah. Is this like, you know, is it like the win of Mikote surnames? Here we go. This is real-time research. Oh, here we go. 
Aliapo is an old bloodline, so the name is extremely common. Got it. Okay. Because um, the yeah. keepers of the moon uh, pass their names on, they're a, what do you call it, like a, a matriarchal tribe. Uh-huh, yes. So, um, yeah, this would be passed on then from mother to daughter because the uh, Mikote tend to have more cat girls than cat boys. This then propagates these names substantially. Fair. Okay, that all checks out. Anyways. Um, so, uh, not related. Of no relation. Yeah. But um, Chloe and Zoe are also keepers of the moon. Of distant relation, more likely. Sure, yeah. Lee sounds wrong to me, but... I mean, the it depends on, you know, which language you're basing your phonetics, mm-hmm. on which you're basing your phonetics. Lee is possible. Lay is possible. But for some reason, lay just sounds unfinished to me. Okay. I, uh... We'll go with Lee then. All right. Correct us if we're wrong. These are never voice acted, so I guess like a linguist probably could figure it out. I'm no, I'm sure like you know people out there speak Klingon, um, so I, I'm thinking people have probably researched um, naming conventions for Mikote and would have a little bit more insight for us. So anyway, we are introduced to Lee Aliapo. It's her second year with the guild. Uh, this, of course, as discussed, um, this is a keeper of the moon, Mikote. It sounds like she was snooping on us during our last trial, but um, we didn't notice because we are we're noobs. Uh, we're noobs, and we are not mindful of our surroundings. Not yet, anyway. This invites a jibe from another lurker. This is an Elizan named Silver. This guy. This oh, guy. you just want to eat him up? No. I mean, it's it's very apparent that he's trying to keep everybody at arm's length. He is the what is it in the Sundere? Sundra? Yeah, Sundra. Yeah. He's, he's that guy. Yeah. So he's going to be very gruff and aggressive. And I don't want to be your friend. Don't You don't want to be my friend. And then you're like, no, you're you're so hurt. There's so much pain inside of you. And you just want to give him a hug. And he's going to he's going to resist for like five seconds. And then he'll just sob into your arms and say, I'm in so much pain. And then you guys are besties, and yeah, you can see right into his soul immediately. He never lets up, <laughs> ever. Even after oh. he, quote, softens, oh. he, he still has to have his, like, I'm too cool for everyone. Sure. Jibey no. jibes. I see you. I see you, Silver. I, I don't care if he has the heart of gold. I still find him tiresome to the end. I, I don't think. Oh, for sure. Just yeah, because. He, yeah. <laughs> he, he won't give it up, even after it's. Like, Lee will pierce his exterior. Yeah, even though, if you can't calm the fuck down, guy, <clears throat> then I just don't want to spend time with you. I don't care if I, I quote, know the truth behind your words or whatever. If you're going to nonstop diss me every fucking second, I'm not going to The out. way he throws the, or the, the frequency at which he throws the word savage around towards Lee is really fucked up. Yep. And I consider if you're going to call, if you're an Elizan, oh, if you're anybody, and you call a Makote savage, that's essentially a four-letter word. That's a slur yeah. in the way you're using it. Um, it's almost a slur. The way he refers to us is just, you know, quote unquote, that adventurer. So, yeah, he's trying really hard to keep people at a distance. Really hard. Like, yeah, no, he's he's a he's an asshole. Yes. So, But you know. Lee here, she nicely says we need to be more aware of our surroundings and then Silver jumps on this opportunity to step out from the back room 
and dis us, dis her, dis everyone in sight. Mm-hmm. Jibes and insults. I'm like, Lysianne, you're just going to allow this guy to do this. And she it's does. also, it's, she does. She's a fucking enabler, honestly. Like, she's like, oh, he doesn't mean it. You can tell when he's telling, when his heart is She his hasn't mind. locked that shit down, and she really should have. Yeah. I mean, she'll, she'll shut him down in some moments, but she should not be allowing that sort of, that type of rhetoric to be just thrown around inside her fucking guild. Yep. Um, I also think it's funny that he just hangs out by the uh, God's Quiver entrance, you know? Like, yep. <laughs> he's got problems. Yes, he does. Mm hmm. As inferred just there, Silver is a former God's Quiver member. As a reminder, the God's Quiver are the elite archers of Gridania. Yeah, the elite of the elite. Yep. But after he's done telling everyone that they suck, he just says that we should be kicked out of the guild because after our 10 minutes of tasks, Clearly. We are, or we're not worthy and we'll never be worthy to be never. an archer. No, yes. I'm like, okay. Who hurt you? <laughs> Himself. Himself, yeah. Another thing of note here for Silver is that he is an old guard Gridanian. Because as yeah. we know from the first Gridania episode, Gridania is formerly a very xenophobic nation, mm-hmm. but they recently have opened up their doors to outsiders under the leadership of Kani Senna. Yeah. But not everyone in Gridania is behind this, and he is like the worst of the worst as far as this is how it has been and how it should be forever. Yeah. All these people who were not born here don't belong here. So this is his mindset. Right. Though I I, I will um, offer a little bit Somewhat of a caveat to what she said, Rakane, um, she's the reason why there has been a um, more of an, an open open border policy with Cretania. Um, But a lot of the guild masters as well have, you know, in in years past, decades past, have also opened their own doors. And we, we discussed this last time with was it, it was Lancer, Lancer yes. yeah. Um, so the guild master, this was probably a decade or two prior, a couple decades, yes. few decades. Um, where he he purposefully wanted, you know, schools of thought on Lansing from all over, you know, Heidelin really yep. to come in and, and teach and and make his guild that much more well rounded. So, it it's it takes a village. Sure, that that's fair. It it has been kind of a softening over time until the recent like official opening, but that there were breaches in the in the hedge before then. Hmm. Little block shroud humor for you there, Jen. Mm. Moving on, for our next task, we get to hang out with Lee. She is now in charge of our training for this this leg of our apprenticeship. She wants us to go and take out some more targets, this time in the central shroud, mm-hmm. like archery targets. Yeah. So, Jen, you did this on Otis, right? Your Lala mm-hmm. new character? Yeah. How was this for you when you were leveled to the area? Um, It was... It was fine, but again, I think the the lesson that they're trying to teach you about um, observing from afar and just taking note of the um, behavior of these mobs it's 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 more crucial when you are a fledgling adventurer in all respects because you can't just you know choke a bow out of there or whatever. And when you're appropriately leveled, getting into a skirmish is more of a risk. But that said, it was still, you know, it was it was cute. It was not, you know, death is looming around every corner. I feel like this would be a lot more fun if 
this is not the structure of the game, so it, it couldn't happen given the way it, it it's um, kind of organized with a separate class and MSQs. But if they could guarantee that you have this quest up when you were doing your MSQ in the Black Shroud and Essential Shroud, having these be all over the place and not... Just in like, yeah, like a two block radius or whatever. Yeah, so like you could be doing your MSQ and we cover two thirds of Central Shroud during the Gordania MSQ. Um, and then if you could just like, you know, spy a target, plug it and keep going as you're doing that, that seems like a fun way to kind of keep your eyes open. If they follow the same philosophy they have where they have more targets than there are required numbers. Oh, it's like hidden Mickeys. I don't know what that is, but... Yeah, no, it's when uh, when you go to Disneyland or any sort of Disney property, there are hidden Mickeys. And so it's this uh, ongoing scavenger hunt for people, um, usually hell- just diehard Disney people, to find a Mickey Mouse silhouette hidden in architecture or artwork or, you know, stonework. And, you know, they're, they're everywhere. Sure. So... And it's, I guess it's kind of like, and what is it, Super Mario Odyssey, where you've got to find all the stars? I don't know. I don't know if it's Odyssey or there are so Mario many... 64. No, it's Mario 64. Collectathons are not unique to any one game. Correct. So. Yeah, but so it's like a, no, it's just like a secret achievement you can get if you find all the targets. See, that's the thing, though. I hate that shit where there is an incentive to essentially either wiki it up or make yourself go crazy. <laughs> like the way it's done now where there are more targets than you need is great. If there's a reason to find every single one, you're probably just going to have to go on a wiki at this point in time, which... It's going to be like the golden walnut problem all over again for you. Yes, exactly. So fuck that. Don't make your games rely on wikis. That's my personal stance. Fair. (laughs) But I like your idea. I think that's fun. Anyway, thank you. As it is, though, there is maybe like a quarter mile max that you have to plug these targets in. So not too bad. They're in fun spots, though. Sure. Mm-hmm. Once that's done, we go and kill some more animals in East Shroud. This is an old-fashioned culling, nothing special. Whatever. Then we return back to the guild, and Lee reminisces over her moving to Gurdania and the Mikote hunting practices that she learned before um, she cuts herself off and gets back to business. We're trying to keep it professional. Yep. But yes, she she grew up in a very tiny village in the Twelves Wood, and, and hunting was her jam. And at this point, Silver shows up again, <sighs> and he's pissed off at her for entrusting this oh-so-important task of culling animals to us, an outsider. Again, he's very possessive about his his territory. One, like, how could we possibly fuck this up? Like, worst case scenario, we die, and then it's a win for him. Right. So, like... What are the stakes here that he's objecting to besides just it? No, being it's an angry. excuse for him to rant about outsiders. Yep. That's it. He'll These take every opportunity he can get. Can't kill animals like we can kill animals. Basically, yeah. I got news for you, buddy. Every single guild kills animals, so suck like mm-hmm. it. Bam. And then he moves on to gripe about Lee being in the guild. To teach him a lesson, Lucianne makes him give us our next lesson. Oh, I, sucker. I feel like. We didn't deserve this, but whatever. <laughs> Guildmaster says so. She says so. Of course, he gives us the business at the start. Big surprise. We don't know anything about archery, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then he his rant drifts into like a weird nationalistic and cultural purist thing, yes. whatever. Eventually, he gets to a point, which is that <laughs> we can't read our enemies, so we can't be a good archer. Oh, okay. 
So his task is to go and shoot even more targets, this time in East Shroud. But these ones are hidden. They're not, there's easy ones from the other, other people. Oh, okay. This is a real challenge. I see. And they're surrounded by dangerous foes, so watch out. Oh, no. Except that every target that you need is, there are two enemy types in the area. There are, I think it's buzzards and lemurs. Diarmites. Yeah, sure. Um, like giant scorpion things. Yeah. And the, the lemurs are non-aggressive. The no. diarmites are aggressive. You can plug every single target you need without going anywhere near an aggressive enemy. Yeah, you can. So, Suck on that, Silver. I mean, it's more like, I, I wish that they had made this quest hostile a little bit. Because if like if you gonna... if you aggro too many, like you're you're boned. No, I mean like put us in an area that is five levels higher than us and make us actually have to stealth like yeah. he says we're going to have to, because we don't. Yep. There there's no fiction to mechanics connection whatsoever. I totally agree. If they had maybe put a bit more tutorializing into the, the narrative um of like actually, you know, hey, this is how you don't aggro enemies. They actually have like a line of sight mechanic. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you walk behind them. You won't get aggroed and either like make you need to stealth or make you have to pick your fights carefully. Right. This would make the quest feel hostile and like he's actually setting you up for failure. As it is, though, it is indistinguishable from the other plug targets quests. So there's nothing that gives us the Silver flavor in the actual implementation of this quest. I agree. And if we're going to throw shade at this at this particular quest and how it's designed, um, we would have to throw shade at literally every other quest we've ever done for an early job. <laughs> I, <laughs> Where there, I mean, there really is no challenge. We have thrown shade plenty on these things, Jen. E, e, right, but like, okay, there, there, there's words, 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 words about this quest they're going to send us on, or this trial they're going to send us on. And we get out there and it's just standard operating procedure. We kill some mobs. There's n- nothing unique about it. There's no special technique or whatever. I think that 20 to 25% of the time, roughly, there is a connection from words to actions. The game does do it, it successfully sometimes, is my point. Okay. Anyway, he, he tried to give us the challenge, but he failed because he's, he's all talk. We go back to Silver and we get another Wildwood supremacy rant. If we would deign to follow in the footsteps of his people, we must go to North Shroud and take out some encroaching Ixal. Their leader, Nezul Katan the Violator, must fall. Silver will not trouble himself to explain the history of conflict to us because we're not worth it. Good thing we got a podcast to tell us the history though, Jen. Yeah. Take that, Silver. <laughs> I won't tell you why you gotta kill these guys, but you gotta kill these guys and it's important, but... You wouldn't know any better because you're an outsider. But you know what happens when you assume, Silver? <laughs> you look like an ass, but he doesn't care. That rhymed. Nice. It did? Yeah. You look like an ass, but he doesn't care. You know what happens when you assume, Silver? You look like oh, an ass okay, and yes. you don't care. Good job, us. As a reward though for doing this, he will stop saying we should be kicked out of the guild. If we do this successfully. Oh, wow. What an incentive. Yeah. Let me just jump right on that. I mean, I will, but not because he says so. <laughs> this is kind of a fun instance. We, yeah. we come in here. This is in North Shroud. The, the place segments off a stretch of path that goes over a stream, over a natural stone bridge into a little like mini valley. 
that's surrounded by rocks on all sides. When I started this instance, I thought, "Ooh, this is kind of this is kind of hardcore," um, because you are surrounded by Ixal, and you have quite a few of them to get past before you will you will end up in range of Nazul, and it's it becomes clear that you're not going to be able to fight everybody. You you do have to sneak past some guys. You're going to have to fight some guys and then get smart about it. Eventually, you will end up in um, Nazul's little circle there, and there's no way around it. You're going to have to fight a bunch of these guys. However, some rando, who some some random helper guy, another maybe adventurer who happened to be in the area. Yeah, this guy um, is a wood whaler. He's named... Merodon the Matter. The Matter, as in he's mad, but more so. I wonder who's the mad-assed. Mad-assed? Mad-assed? You said maddest, but sound like mad-assed. Oh, okay. His ass is real mad? Yes. Okay. Anyway, he comes flying in. Yeah, out of absolutely nowhere. Out of nowhere! Who's this guy? But on a chocobo. I'm like, <laughs> I thought, like, wait a minute. I'm in an instance area. I thought it was another PC just, like, running through the instance. I'm like, Fair. that's not possible. <laughs> so, yeah, this guy comes to help us out, which well, was very welcome. Did you see his line? Probably, but I forgot. Uh, he says on his arrival... Fear not, adventurer, or something like that. No, what? <laughs> um, I'll save you. If you would shut up for a second, Jen, I would tell you what he says. No. He says, Ixal in my forest. Ah. It's more likely than you think. Is that what he says? The last bit is my edition. Oh, okay. Y- you know the, the centipedes meme? No. What? Oh, my God. The well, centipedes meme? There's a meme about centipedes? Like a human centipede? Okay, so this is the original ad that's spawned it and then here is the ye oldie meme <laughs> centipedes in my vagina it's more likely than you think all right well then that was an appropriate that was an appropriate joke for you to make thank you i mean the the, the phrasing of that it's identical yes so it's exactly in my forest it's got to be intentional probably that's all <laughs> i mean what a fun little easter egg that is because you never see this guy again yep <laughs> He died by centipedes. <laughs> Gross. Um, should have checked his vagina. Anyway, he has just arrived. He helps us out. I, I was expecting Silver to yell at us for getting help, but he's none the wiser. Yeah, he's not watching us, which is weird. You yes. think that he would want to monitor our behavior and I don't know. Oh, you had help? Disqualified. Disqualified. Anyway, though, um, the fight is is pretty basic. You just um, take out all the the baby Ixal, by which I mean the ads, and then you focus fire on the Violator. The Violator. And that's that. Silver is true to his word. After we return, having done this assignment, we are upgraded from don't belong here to doesn't care if we stay or leave. Huge. Big Success. Moves. Lee is indignant on our behalf. She complains to the guildmaster that Silver um, is not acknowledging our deeds and so on. Well, also, she thinks it was completely ridiculous to throw us in that circumstance alone. And I agree. Luckily, we had, we had help from our bro. Lucienne says, like, really, is that is that your impression of what happened here? Because in my you know deep knowledge of Silver and his neuroses, he knew very well that our character would be able to handle it just fine. And I knew that because when he said, I don't believe you're going to be able to do it, he covered his mouth. And when he covers his mouth, that's a tell. That means he's lying. 
That means his his head... his yeah his 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 head and his heart are not in in Congress with one another. Yes. Aww, so this a little a little chip in the armor. This fucking sucks. Like just because <laughs> he's doing his little his little mouth covering does not excuse the shit that's spewing from his mouth. We agree. That's <laughs> it's vile and hateful. So so thanks, Skillmaster, for explaining that him laying it into us constantly is actually okay because he doesn't mean it. We just don't understand him fully. So after that task, we are now officially an an archer. Congrats. And we have our first assignment as an official archer to respond to a petition from our sometimes acquaintance, Buscaran. Yep. Down at the Buscaran's druthers. All three of us, Lee, Silver, and ourselves, are assigned to this mission. Despite Silver saying he's better off alone. Oh, what a surprising thing for him to say. Lee makes another reference to Silver being a former god's quiver. She says he's not a lowly quiver man anymore. And then he calls her a savage, of course, and we're off to a great start here, team. <laughs> Down in South Shroud, Buscaran prepares to brief us on the poachers, and Silver starts complaining that this is a job for the um, whalers and the... Wait, no, hang on. And the quiver. No, no, he, he says the task is beneath us because the whalers and the quiver will not even do it. Oh, So why yikes. should we do this as oh, well? Oh, okay, I see. Yep. But don't worry. These are no common poachers. These are Pawa Mujuk's gang. This shuts up Silver, but we don't know why yet. And I had remembered um, that there was something weird between Silver and um, Pawa mm -hmm. from the last time I played, but I didn't recall what. But if you're watching for it, he starts acting very weird right now. <laughs> and, and I'm serious. Like, yeah. I, I recall there was something, but I didn't recall the details, but I was noticing his, his strange mannerisms that he adopted so the game does a good job of making him be behave oddly because something is amiss here There's but we don't know what yet there, yeah we'll see in a minute that he takes pains to not be seen by pawa when we meet her for the first time so there, there's oh. never a moment when she sees him because he's either hiding or um like duck behind something or whatever at all times when we're in the encounter with her. Huh. Neat. This situation is further complicated by the fact that Buscaran and some other bandits nearby called the yeah. the Red Belly Gang have an agreement of live and let live. Right. So that's why he couldn't call the God's Quiver or the Wood Wheelers, yep. because if they got involved, the Red Bellies would be like, oh, I'm sorry, are you uh, going back on our agreement? So yes, he wants he wants us to deal with it instead. Our first task is to split up and scout the area. We do so and we find some traps, some arrows, and some empty mead bottles lying around, but no poachers yet. We get back to the druthers. Silver gives us the rundown on Pawa then. She's the most infamous poacher to walk the Twelves Wood. She leads a gang of Mikote hunters. Silver proposes we try to get the whalers or the god's quiver to deal with the problem instead of us, which Lee refuses. This gang of poaching Mikote is actually very Mikote history oriented because there is a history of conflict between the Gredanians and Mikote as they will hunt in the Twelves Wood, but they were not in the fold with the elementals. Right. So they were not respecting the elementals' whims. They would not hunt the creatures that the elementals would allow the Gredanians to hunt and so on. 
So they were not respecting the, quote, balance of the forest. So there was a lot of um, friction and fighting between the Gredanians and the Mikote. Eventually, they reconciled, and a number of Mikote were, were brought into the fold of the Gredanians. However, like this gang here, there are still some rogue Mikote out there. And this is relevant, as we'll see coming up. Silver trying to say we should invite the whalers or quiver in is him again trying to get out of this conflict that is brewing between him and Pawa. Mm -hmm. But Lee says no. Let's examine your clues. The Okay, we've got an arrow. We've got a a bear trap. And then we've got a pile of mead bottles. Um, It's clear that they are so old that they predate the Druthers itself. You think, oh, well, weird then. Okay. A little bit of a role play situation here where you can use what do you what would you present to Silver Silver first? All right, here are the arrows. He's like, that's it's a poacher's arrow. Who gives a fuck? All right, how about the uh, the poacher's trap, the iron trap? It's used everywhere. Who gives a fuck? Okay, the mead bottles that you said that didn't relate at all. It's and, garbage. Who gives a fuck? Right, and then Lee's like, yeah, but why do they smell fresh? If they were decades old, why do they smell like they were they were opened like yesterday? Like, ooh, the plot thickens. And this is a very uh, decent example of Silver's talents and deduction. And he's like, oh, oh, so way back when, when Buscarone was a sentry, he was bootlegging his own mead. Uh, so it makes sense that there would be a stash of old Buscarone mead in his, in his outpost. So he's like, aha, okay, got it. So they found they found these guys are hanging around his old his old outpost. Let's go there and investigate. Solid. As we are scouting the post, we are assailed by Pawa Mujuk herself. She looks the part. Her hair is all disheveled, and she's got a painted X across her face. Looks pretty ferocious. Mm-hmm. And she and her minions, aka her litter, attack us. Mm. We all hide and there's an arrow goes flying out and it's dodged narrowly. Pawa appears and immediately Silver ducks behind a rock. He's like way low down, mm-hmm. keeping himself out of sight. See, I don't have the benefit of this of doing this before, so I, I had no idea. I was not on the lookout for this behavior, yeah. but that's really cool. No, it, it's a good job on the game's part of putting this in there, even though it's not explained yet. Yeah, so he, he acts the part. He ducks out of sight. Lee says, I'll go take on Pawa and you two take on the minions, which surprisingly, Silvera says, yes. Not like, no, I'm the best, so I'm going to take her on. He's like, yeah, you, you do that because... Yeah, because I can't face her. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. So then we do so. Um, there's a fight and we, we fight off a bunch of normal archers mm-hmm. and Silvera's like, use your archery talents. And I'm like, no, I'm going to dot every single person because that's more efficient. Indeed. You know? And then focus fire on the healers. Because games. Not our first rodeo. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Because games. We take on the litter. Meanwhile, Lee is fighting Pawa. Yes. Lee's about to shoot Pawa, but Pawa fires an arrow first. Lee gets hit in the arm, drops her bow, and then Pawa's about to fire a second arrow, finishing her off, when out of the bushes, Silver fires an arrow at Pawa, knocking her bow out of her hands, and then Pawa retreats. Clever girl. A little bit anime that he shot the weapon and not her face. Indeed. But yes. whatever. This is a more significant moment in hindsight. So he has decided to save the quote unquote savage's life and 
put himself back into Pawa's, I guess, uh, sphere. Um, yes. And like, okay, all right, I can't hide from her anymore. Before we, we get that conversation, we go back to Buscaran, who's like, well, I guess you guys fucked up, so I'll call in the whalers, which doesn't go anywhere because they're like, we're too busy for the shit. Fair. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> they got they got hordes of Ixal to deal with. I guess. Yeah. You know, poachers aren't unique in the Twelves Wood. It's true. And then we go back to the guild and report that we failed. Lucian's like, oh, well, your survival at all is a testament to your skill. Great. In which case, why would you put us on this assignment where Buscaran knows the identity of the the gang if this is so dangerous that we are going to survive only by our skill and not succeed? Yeah, I guess the only way that that, um, makes sense is if Buscaran didn't tell Lucianne that this is Pawa's gang. Maybe do some more due diligence on your tasks there, Guildmaster. I also feel like Buscaran had a responsibility if he didn't tell Lucianne, though I feel like he would have. Though I don't... Okay, you know what? No, there was a miscommunication somewhere in there. Not our fault. That or she's just being nice. You kind of fucked up, but I'm going to tell you in a nice way. Well, thank you. I think that is of the Guildmaster's... Lucian's track record with Sylvair and with this assignment do not put her in a good light, really. Mm. This is in the realm of fan theory, but she seems like a less on a guild master than most of them that we encounter. Either that or she's just probably seen her fair share of people behaving poorly and I'm not your mother. I'm not your wet nurse. I don't know. But no, we wouldn't have a very interesting quest if uh, Sylvair had been neutered in that way. That's true, but we can still say that she's bad at being a guildmaster, which allows this situation to develop. True. Like, he's, he's putting people at risk with this with he this is. stuff. Because he was so concerned with avoiding an interaction with Pawa that he let us kind of handle things when he should have been the, you know, the, the more senior member of the guild and behaved that way. And not letting two people that he considered not valid members of the guild to handle business. Also, in the kind of contextual assumptions, he has presumably driven away less thick-skinned members than we are from the guild, too. Weakening the guild overall with his shit. Yeah. We're back at the guild now, and uh, everyone is having a bad time. (laughs) Silver is going to quit the guild and take the fight to Pawa himself, and he finally spills the beans. In his own dark past, he was kicked out of the god's quiver, because he had Pawa cornered, but she fed him a sob story about her having a wounded comrade who she had to go save, and then he let her go like in a chump. Mm-hmm. That's, that's rough. Lee wants to quit too. Yeah, oh my god. The beginning of this quest was like level 25, yeah. So the little splash text at the bottom of the, of the quest uh, window is, Sylvair and Lee are having issues. It looks like you're going to have to, you know, jump in and mediate. I'm like, great explosive conflict management action <laughs> and that's exactly what we do go go talk to them and, and handle their problems figure out what the fuck okay i'm here to learn but i'll go ahead and do this so we do uh, and so there's like i'm quitting blah 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 let me go to lee i'm quitting blah 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 well the fuck lee also tells us more of her backstory too yes which again makes this a very mikote quest she came from some small village or whatever, uh, where she lived with her family who are Makote and also I'm assuming other Makote as well, because of her short bow um Mikote background. Mm-hmm. Which gets reinforced in just a little bit. 
But then during the Calamity, the village was destroyed and she lost her family. And now um, she's come to the big city to try and have a fresh start. But she feels like she is not allowed here because someone won't stop telling her she's an outsider 24-7. Right. So she feels like she doesn't belong here. Weird. And is now going to go um, and leave. She won't tell us where, but she'll tell us if we meet her in the South Shroud okay. at a remote location. Suspicious. Yes. So we do. We- I swear to God. Okay. So there was there was a seed planted in my head where I'm like, all right, I feel like Lee, maybe she's a double agent. Like she's secretly, maybe she's, um, you know, Pawa's long lost sister. Or she's a spy for Pawa's gang. Or... Something. I don't know what it was, but there was like I think it was when they were in Buskron's Druthers and they were and and we were talking about, oh, I think the wood whalers and stuff should probably handle this, right? Mm-hmm. And uh Lee kept like kind of hand waving this whole thing away, saying like it's not worth our time, it's not our problem, blah blah blah. And I'm like, oh, she's in. She's in on this. She's trying to get us to turn a blind eye and leave them alone because she's got some sort of invested interest in, in Pawa's gang. And I'm like, I'm watching you, Lee. Totally off base. That's a fair assumption. <laughs> I mean, I had recalled a niggling feeling of um, Silvera being wrapped up in this, so I wasn't looking for that thread. But, I mean, given what you knew at the time, Jen, I think that's a very fair suspicion. Well, thank you. So, yeah, I was I was waiting for that other shoe to drop. Of it course, then... It kind of does. It, it kind of does. Um, but, you know, before this happened, those suspicions had been kind of um, satisfied. Like, I'm like, that's, I don't think that's an issue. That's not the problem. Yep. Um, but then she does this and I'm like, I fucking knew it, but not quite. So she's, she's feeling so much on the outs and so disconnected with her heritage by, you know, pursuing archery in the guild and living in Gridania. And she's, she's having a, a real, um, just an internal conflict. And unfortunately, the closest thing that she has within within reach to get back to those roots is Pawa's gang. And that sucks. We're standing there and Pawa's gang comes up and she's, you know, Pawa says, This is so ill-advised to invite us to her defection. It feels like a a cry for help. Almost. Oh, well, yes. Yes. So she's like her her third eye, (laughs) her vision here about the greater picture is is still very narrow. She invites us because there's probably one some subconscious hope that we will join her um because she's bonded with us and she wants like probably that's that like third party validation that the choice she's making is correct. Yep. So if we accept the invitation then her choice is she feels less guilty about it. But at the same time her inviting us is kind of dangerous for us. Because I can't imagine that Pawa is happy to see yet another guildmaster uh, from Grudenia show up. So there's, there's either the hope, there's, there's the hope that we will join and validate her decision. And then there's the hope that maybe we'll talk her out of it. So yep. she's still, she hasn't, she's not there yet. We show up in this clearing and meet her, in comes Pawa and her gang. Mm-hmm. And Lee's like, hey, can this guy join too? Right. Did you respond with the, the passive or the, the no I said, absolutely not. She's oh. like, please don't tell, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, like, hell, I won't, I yep. think is the actual line. Lee responds like, oh, my God, please, blah, blah, blah. And so there's like a... That's that's when Paula takes the opportunity to say, I don't need your wishy-washiness in my gang. And your invitation is hereby rescinded. I'm like, Good. Great. 
thanks for bringing me because like this is a stupid fucking thing for you to do lee lee's like oh shit now what do i do let's go here which is the The um, bannock the bannock the old training grounds and then we we go there and she's like now we must fight yeah show me everything that you've learned show me everything that gridenia has taught you thinking that it's it's either going to be it's either going to Again, one of two things. Like she's 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 looking for she's looking for an answer of some kind. Either our training is going to be so subpar that again that will be some sort of like you know passive validation of um, her decision to leave, or we will be so impressive that it will convince her to stay. The fight to find out the truth of our hearts is a genre thing I don't like. We we must fight to to find out what is is not. No, I, I need the I need the, the I need the threat of death to be able to 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 clear my mind, and you know, I, which is something that I personally can connect with, because sometimes I need the threat of death in order to do laundry, you know, or like <laughs> vacuum the couch or something. Like it, it takes <laughs> it takes a hell of a fucking movement to to get me to do something sometimes. So I I get it. Sometimes I'm just, you know, uh, effort, and it, 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 it takes an act of God. We do that. We have a, a nice bow fight, shooting each other, not like having a contest of archery, but we shoot each other with arrows. Mm-hmm. And then she calls in vultures to attack us also. She's, in a, she's at a desperate crossroads. There are, are two types of these kind of duels for non-lethal stakes in this game. There's like the melee ones where we have like a melee fight, which feels kind of realistic because that's sparring is a legit thing yes, yes. but if we are fighting with ranged weapons and there's someone's a, gonna die <laughs> there's a more ridiculous one with machinists later on which i will gripe about when we get there <laughs> so, but so we are shooting arrows at each other until one person runs out of health this breaks my immersion because you can't pull a punch with an arrow right you have to fire it at a minimum velocity to have it actually go through the air and hit the target maybe we're shooting arrows with like bean bags on the ends or something Sure. I mean, sure. that could be the case, but uh, no. Just like, this is a, this is a this is an opportunity for suspension of disbelief. You just I know I I bite my tongue and go with it, but this tests it quite a bit because the these are lethal weapons here that we're we're shooting for fun back and forth. It'd be I think it would be um more appropriate if she had picked maybe like a big fat enemy and we both fought them together, so she could still see our prowess in battle. That's the um the lancer. King of the Bramble patch. There we go. Yeah. Style. Yep. Anyway, <laughs> that is what happens, though, is we have a, a bow off. And um, this opens up Lee's eyes as we've been taking in all the guild's teachings, both the, the short bow and long bow techniques, whereas she was hung up on her ancestry, mm-hmm. much like Silver was. And she was not listening so much as just... Um, Keeping her own counsel, right? She had a, um, uh, she had blinders on. I think is what she said. Yes. So yeah, it was a very narrow. It was a very small target for her, and she needs to make that target bigger. Her resolve to stay with the guild is reawakened, and she will now embrace its techniques fully. Huzzah! She also forgives Sylvere in this moment uh, because she's like, he was only trying to teach me the value of the Ellison techniques, and I'm like, <sighs> no. no. He wasn't. He was being a condescending fucking asshole. Yeah. But she's like, oh, I, now I'm on board with Lucianne. He's really has a heart of gold and he just means the best. This is called codependency. So um, I, I rolled my eyes heavily at that line, but 
I mean, if she is willing to forgive all of the uses of that savage slur, then okay, that's her decision. It's true. It is. I mean, it, and that is taking the high road. That's debatable, I think. <laughs> she's because she's going, well, okay, no. The fact that she can kind of move past it in a way, yes. But when she frames it in a way like, oh, he was just trying to do what's best for me. Okay, well, that's delusional. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so we go back to the guild after all this stuff happens. We find Lucienne trying to talk Silver out of facing down Pawa alone. We offer to help again, but he refuses and he just leaves. However, Lee, after her awakening, expresses her feelings in, in the best way possible, making, I think, a pretty good argument to him about why he should accept her help because, you know, she has a similar thing as him where she has her own traditions, but she's had to open her eyes. Mm -hmm. And she's like, if I can, can't you? And Silver says no. And leaves. Lies. He covers his mouth with his hand, though. Yep. So I've never considered you friends. Do not follow me. And like, oh, that means you guys are my friends. Please follow me. Pretty much. Yeah. Gross. We see you. However, we are not going to accept this answer. So we follow him to South Shroud and we find him wounded and about to be finished off by a bunch of poachers. Mm -hmm. We defend him. And then he's all like, I didn't even want your help. I had it covered. <sighs> that old chestnut. But um, then Lee finally convinces him to accept our help by telling him that he really likes us. <laughs> <laughs> you like Krabby Patties, don't you, Squidward? Maybe I'll stick around so I can tell you how much you suck. Fine. Whatever you got to justify in your brain. So at last, we're on the same side. Silver tells us he has taken a bone whistle from these poachers he was fighting so that he can lure Pawa, Pawa. out of hiding. And we're going to be bait, but he promises that he'll have her back. I believe him. I do also, because it's the first nice thing he said, mm -hmm. pretty much. Mm -hmm. So we lay a trap with our character as bait. We head to this little remote pond, which anyone who has done hunting logs probably recognizes because yeah, you have to find those f's exactly this is the place for bark f's in south shroud <laughs> we sound the whistle the poachers find us and prepare to take us out and then silver and lee assail them with arrows the real fight begins and the three of us take on the poachers silver says he'll take on pawa while we kill the ads we do then all team up together against pawa yeah she is super tanky yeah good and then when she gets low on health, she begins to fire these oiled arrows at us, which drop a big ground Fire area yeah. yeah, on the ground. Which is cool. Do we get that? Do we get that eventually as Bard? No. God damn it. But it's cool. It is cool. Like, I want oiled arrows. Why don't we get oiled arrows? <laughs> we should steal the tech from Pawa. I mean, I, I guess like Summoner and Ninja get ground aoes too so yeah th that that would there's definitely a yes that's definitely a thing like i summer ha summoner has one it's the wind give us oiled arrows you can yell that at yoshi p if okay, you want to fine here i go to twitter one second oh no <laughs> no fuck twitter still though even with all that stuff she's pretty easy yeah especially with bard where there's no range commitment or cast bar commitment you can just walk away from the fire Though, I guess if you're really bad at it, you could just c completely cover the arena in flame. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. Pawa flees when she's almost finished off, and we give chase. After some implicit off-screen cat and mouse, she has the drop on us. She's on a cliff overlooking our characters. 
But wait, Lee and Sylvere get the drop on her, and Lee thunks her with an arrow, dead on. Different. It's, well, yes, however, as Pawa is knocking her arrow, and we are in her sights, Sylvere, who has snuck up behind her, says, And I only thought you had eyes for me. And she turns around, there he is crouched, and when she does that, Lee pops up, boom, hits her, hits her somewhere, knocks her off the cliff into the water below. See, I thought she was dead after this. Me too. But no, she's alive. She crawls out. Well, she crawls out, and then they're going to tend her, her somewhere, wounds and right, put her yeah, in, so in jail. Yeah. Nobody dies. Nobody dies. Well, except for the Lancer guy. But yeah. I just wish that this game not being very lethal is fine. I just wish that when they did have a death, or rather, I just wish that when they had a, a serious wound being shown, it was a death and not like this whole, I don't know how to feel for five minutes until they tell me if the person's dead or not. Because it is not the most consistent at signaling when a wound is fatal or not. Yeah, And no idea. some wounds that look fatal are just like, oh, they're fine. Yeah. So They're just real tired. Yes. But I liked that moment quite a bit. Um, I thought that was pretty sweet. Um, Silver finally kind of came to grips with his past and his, uh, his major fuck up. You know, faced that fear, essentially. And then uh, teamed up with Lee to flank her and get it done. Bravo. Gross. We go back to the guild, and it's congratulations all around. We are now a, a full archer. We got so good, we got kicked out at the guild. Love it. We have helped our guild mates grow up, even though Silver is still prickly, but everyone everyone now knows he doesn't mean it, so it's all good. Yeah. And that's it. That's we the quest. We did it! Yay! We had a brief chat after the fact and decided to slip a Mikote feature into this episode as this is the highest concentration of Mikote action in all of the 1 to 15 content. Outside of Limsa Luminsa, anyway. Fair, I guess. They feature more as a people here versus as people that are Mikote. Right. In um in this quest, especially. So let's talk about some Mikote, Jen. As any player would know, the Mikote are the cat people of this game. Distinct, though, from the Hrothgar, which are... Big cat people. Big cat people. So, uh, cat ears, cat tail, um, feline mannerisms, but that's about it. Mm -hmm. Cat's light. Mostly fleshy cat people. Oh my god, gross. (laughs) I do not like that phrasing. (laughs) The Encyclopedia Eorzea says that as a peculiarity of this race there are far more cat girls than cat boys which i wonder is like a meta nod to the fact that everybody wants to be a cat girl yes <laughs> probably so the mikote are hunters that migrated to eorzea during the age of frost as their home had um thinned out in terms of like the, the hunting the game there and so could not sustain them so they came here to more verdant hunting grounds. They are, however, among the least suited to life in the city-states, as we see with Lee in this quest here. Many Mikote still live as nomadic hunters. Their lifestyle also makes them well-suited to adventuring. There is a patriarchal and a matriarchal clan in the Mikote. 
The Seekers of the Sun are the patriarchal bunch. They have narrow vertical pupils like a cat's are during the day. I, I would imagine these should change based on the light levels, but in the game as they're shown, the Seekers always have vertical slits no matter what time of day or location they're in. Mm-hmm. And the um, the Seekers of the Moon, sorry. The, the Keepers. The Keepers of the Moon always have round pupils. Yeah, like a palace cat. Yes. Unsurprisingly, many Seekers will follow Azema the Warden, as Azema is said to be the Keeper of the Sun. Makes sense. Yep. Seekers are mostly found in Eorzea's arid regions, and we'll see several of them much later when we go to Garabania. Yes. There are, as you mentioned, Jen, a fair number of them in Limsa, Lamensa as well, because maybe pirate life is like a nomad's life. That makes of. sense. Yeah. It's, it's also a major you know, like port of call. A nomad of the sea. Also the fish. Trade point. Ah! There are 26 seeker tribes. They believe it was divine fate that there are 26 letters in the Eorzean, <laughs> aka English, alphabet. Um, so after migrating to Eorzea, they each tribe took one of the letters as their tribe name. So we have an M tribe and a R tribe. G tribe. Yes. An F tribe. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the names, of course, are letter apostrophe that character's name. So you can pronounce it with or without. And there's a um, like a level of familiarity if you refer to someone with that um, prefix dropped. So if you were to refer to um, Ishtola, she would be Ishtola. And Minago would be just Nago. Um, she's she's Almigan. Yes. Yeah. As mentioned, seeker tribes are patriarchal. There will be a breeding male in um, every group. And any other males that want to be in charge either must challenge the breeding male or go found their own tribe. Non-breeding males, uh, they have the suffix Tia, right? Yes. Okay. And then the breeding male's name is Nun. So it would be like... Uh, Raha Nun. <laughs> uh, I'm surprised there are not more characters that use Nun as their surname, as like a I fuck kind of joke. Because I see Tia a lot. A lot. But I'm surprised there are not more people who like are like, I'm a player, so I'm going to be Nun. I'm going to be a Chad Makote. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that it's is interesting. surprising that that's not more in the the, the meta, naming meta. What an, it, there, there, there are so, so many sociology thesis papers just waiting to be culled from this game. Right. <laughs> Very interesting. And then the other tribe are the Keepers of the Moon. These are um, round-eyed Mikote, as mentioned. Uh, they're, keeping... not a, they're not a tribe, right? They're a... Um, what did you call it? It's, it's, you're, right, it's not a tribe... Is it a race? It's like a, a sub race. Okay. Kind of. Yeah. Like the, the Dusk Whites and the um, Wild Woods. Right. Yeah. I'm sure they have some connection way back, but then also they can intermingle too, obviously. So. Sure. Anyway, the round eyes keep with the nocturnal theme, of course, of them being the keepers of the moon. Many keepers follow Memphina, the moon goddess. Weird. Fitting with our archer quest, most keepers live in the Black Shroud. It makes sense because we have the, the seekers in the desert where it's probably pretty bright all the time, <laughs> except at night. 
But even during the daytime in the shroud, we have the dense um, canopy above us, making things dark even in the day. Astute. Thanks, Jen. Well, yeah, one of the key characteristics of desert is a preponderance of sun. (laughs) That was really cute. (laughs) The the secrets of the sun. I'm just here to put it all together, Jen. Right, yeah, because the desert traditionally is very sunny and... Jen. The forest Jen. can be less so. Thank you. I cover that. Yes. Way to, way to follow my footsteps, Jen. No problem. Just paraphrasing. Thanks. To, just to, to communicate to you that I understand what it is you're saying. Anyway, to actual content, Jen. <laughs> back at you. That's some content for you. Like we discussed, the, the Keepers and the Gredanians have a, um, a frictious history. Because the keepers would poach without any sort of respect for the, quote, balance of the forest or the elementals or whatever. And the Gordanians are like, elementals say this, so we got to do this. So there has been warfare in the past between the two groups, but for the most part, they are reconciled. And the keepers are now in the fold. Mm-hmm. However, like Pawa's tribe that we have in this quest line, there are still some keepers that do their own thing. As far as their society goes, the Keepers have a matriarchal society where there will typically be groups of two or three different families that hunt together that form the tribe. That's it. That's a Makote. That's a Makote. What do you think, Jen? I liked it a lot, actually. I did too. Yeah. I think this is by far the best Gridania class quest. Agreed. Uh, though we did have, you know, we had a lot to say about the Conjurer quest. Not good, though. Not, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was, it was trouble. It was problematic in a lot of ways. Um, but this, um, of course, there are some, some things here and there. But overall, I, I thought the story arc was really satisfying. I agree. Also, I think this shows the city's flavor far better than the actual main story quest does. In this quest line, there is the tensions between the old guard of Gridania and the newcomers. Yep. We have various groups featured that operate in the Twelves Wood. We see the Mikote, we see the the Wildwoods, we understand the the part of the Wood Wailers and the God's Quiver. Mm-hmm. Um, we get our Ixal. We have um, poachers as well. So kind of seeing that the, the, the forest is not a monolithic entity of yeah. tree hugging. It's actually a very place that's very much in depth. And we can see how these kind of parts all work together or don't work together as the case may be. Yes. This is all shown in this quest line, whereas you would think that Gordania is a bunch of just, I don't know, like I, I can't even take away a synopsis from the main story quest. It's a bunch of errands, <laughs> is what it is. Right, yeah. There's there's the mention of the Ixal, but you know, as the the general, um, I guess the, <laughs> I'm not gonna say the word MacGuffin because you're gonna get the word MacGuffin. Um, but it's it's the the greater threat that rallies all of Gridania kind of together. So this, however, is a because of the individuals involved, we get a much better idea of, like you said, old guard. Gridanian Elizans versus newcomer post-calamity Mikotes and how these two factions in 
certain areas of the city in the Twelves would have not blended very well, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, because before this, it's it hasn't been a focus. It's it's part of the lore, but it's again, it's not a focus. Yeah. To see these little um, prejudices come out. And people, you know, learning and growing and embracing their their fellow Gridanian. It This quest has the same issue where it takes a while to get going because the um, the class quests are all too long for their requisite six levels, as in um, six stages. Mm-hmm. But once this gets going, it doesn't stop. It doesn't have any dead go kill animals and come back levels. Weird break, like in Lancer, where yep. you have that, yeah, that do nothing shit. So, good job. I- I'm a fan. Yeah, same. Nice. That'll do it for... Uh... <laughs> any, any other comments on this quest or anything, Jen? We're really... The Warrior of Light, we're really good at conflict management. If the conflict can be punched into submission, <laughs> yes. <laughs> now we're frequently utilized by guildmasters, uh, Eorzea over, to, um, to step in when they've got an ornery guildling yeah or an ornery guild master himself hammond next time we have our recap episode where we'll be talking about our experiences in cross section and then after that we have our battle of cartano episode coming up i'm looking forward to that one jen me too as we haven't don't get a whole lot of uh, unless you played 1.0 i guess you don't really have any fucking idea yeah, it's super important, but the game tells you next nothing about it. It tells you what you need to know. But we're all moving forward collectively as inhabitants of... Heidelin. Heidelin. Wow. So, if you have shit to say to us, you can find us on the internet. Good old email at podreturnffxit at gmail.com. And as always, we hope you've enjoyed the episode and we will see you next time.